What's up, church? Glad to be here this morning. Uh, today, we are going to wrap up our month-long family talk, our family meeting that we've been having. Um, and uh, we, we've been able, throughout the last few weeks, we've been able to kind of give you our plan and where we feel like our church needs to head in the next three years and beyond a little bit. And uh, we've talked about some opportunities that it seems like God has for us and some doors that it sure seems like God has opened for us that we as a church family need to walk through, or I feel like we need to walk through uh, together. And so uh, it's, we've talked about some of that stuff. Um, if you're new here this morning, I just want to tell you straight up, all right, we are so glad that you're here. We want you to be a part of our church family uh, someday. And, um, and today's just going to be a little different. I'm telling you, it's going to be the most different out of any service we've ever done here in Tiffin by a long shot. And so um, we don't want anything from you. Uh, we're not asking you to do anything. We just want you to kind of sit back, relax, and hopefully enjoy the service. And you'll be able to learn a little bit about what our church is all about. But uh, over the last few weeks, we've been talking about how, um, you know, we've been kind of picturing it in our mind as, as this series, Everyone on Three, is we're all kind of coming together at the kitchen table. We're kind of hashing some stuff out. We're talking about some goals. We're talking about how to get there. And if you're new, you're more than welcome to pull up a stool to the table, okay, if that makes sense, and just listen in, okay? We're not, again, the only thing that we ask of you is that you come back next week, all right? Sound like a plan? Okay. Um, but uh, we've got a lot of cool stuff happening here. Um, again, just... For those of you who are newer, just so you know, here at Grace, this is what we are, simply. Um, we are a movement of broken people. Okay, we're not perfect. We're all messed up, including myself. And uh, we are trying to dedicate our lives to doing whatever we possibly can to reaching as many people as we possibly can for Jesus. That's what we're all about here at Grace. Um, we're all about life change. And we've seen a bunch of life change uh, throughout the past uh, 28 months. And it's just been incredible. And actually, here's another example um, of that. My name is Kimberly Ross, and I'll never forget the time when my son told me about how he accepted Jesus as his Lord and Savior. I've been praying for Brennan for a long time. Uh, we moved up here about eight years ago, and uh, he just wasn't too thrilled about the move. Um, his attitude and demeanor went downhill. Brennan is a wonderful, great kid, don't get me wrong. It's just I knew that there was something that needed to shift, a big change, something that as a mom, I wasn't able to, to give to him. I am so thankful for Grace Community Church. Uh, we started going to Grace in Fremont. A couple years after we had started, um, we found out they were launching a church in Tiffin. So we were excited about that because it was closer to home. And then Brennan had some really good opportunities. Uh, he was able to get involved uh, with the Alpine trip, uh, Kalahari, and Fuse on Sundays. And then it was great because I feel like when he was involved in those trips, he was uh, grew a closer relationship with God, and he was able to have more positive influencers in his life, um, like Pastor AJ. So Brennan was still struggling, even after all these great things that were going on in his life. I really wanted to reach out to Pastor AJ, but something was just telling me, you know, to kind of hold off. God put the brakes on and said, no, no, you've got to let him, you know, figure this out on his own. And then little did I know that Brennan had actually reached out to AJ and they uh, got together uh, one night uh, for dinner. And then the next morning when I was talking to Brennan, 
Uh, he told me that he accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, and um, I was just blown away. Uh, I couldn't believe it, you know. Something that you want for your children is for them to accept Jesus into their hearts and to know that he did this all on his own, and it wasn't, you know, because I wanted it. It was just, you know, something that brought so much joy. You know, I can't wait to see what God does in his life. So here in Tiffin, we've seen a bunch of those. We've actually, over the last few weeks, we've been listening to story after story after story. And the honest truth is we all have one, right? We've all had a, a, or those of us who have given our lives over to Jesus, um, which probably is everybody in this room. But uh, for those of us that have, I mean, we all have a similar story where we were lost and we were, we were, you know, far from God and, and God saved us. And here in Tiffin, over the last 28 months, we've seen so many people give their lives to Jesus, and it did not take long for God to fill up our building, okay? It didn't take him long. Um, he filled it up quick, and uh, we're full, not just here in our auditorium. We could probably fit a few more, but it's mostly our, killed, our children's area. Um, they, are, they are full week in and week out. And I just want to caution us, and I've done this every week, but this is so important to me, is um, I feel like this is just naturally how we are. But, uh, but we as Christians, when we, we put in a bunch of work, which we did to get Tiffin Campus launched, and, and a lot of you guys put in hours after, you know, just countless hours, I couldn't even count, um, of, of working here and making this thing happen, and we've sacrificed our money and, uh, to, to make that happen, and we were, you know, a lot of you guys were very generous with that. But I think it's easy for us as Christians, as we see God has used it, which he clearly has, and we see a little bit of success, it's easy for us to kind of take a step back and say, all right, I'm going to breathe for a while. All right, time for me to rest. And what happens is, uh, Christians, we get comfortable and we start feeling pretty good about ourselves. As if we, you know, we put in work, I get it, but God's the one who used that work. But we're not done. All right, we're not even close to done. If you're breathing here this morning, I'm sorry, but you're not done. All right, we have work to do. And what we need to do is really run harder. The race is not over. We need to prepare, we need to sacrifice, and we need to work towards our future. And so in order to do that, we came up with a plan. We've been going over this plan the last three weeks. Uh, the first thing, um, it's really three campuses, three goals in three years, all right? We're all coming together to do this. And the one that we're on our own with is the first one, creating children's space. Every campus is creating their own space. Um, here in Tiffin, we desperately need this. I've said this every week, but um, it, this is simply investing in the next generation, okay? And when churches do not invest in the next generation, they they die, okay? It might take them 50 years, but they, they die. And there's plenty of examples all around us of churches that have refused to invest in kids and in, in the next generation that are, unfortunately, dead. And, um, and so that's not, we never, ever, ever want that to be here at Grace. We always want to look towards the future. And so we've talked about how we're going to do this. Uh, we're looking at building kind of two different buildings at the same time, which saves us money. Um, one will be around seven classrooms out the front. Uh, off the front of the, of the building. They'll go out to kind of where the pine trees are. You can see that as you 
drive away. And um, the second building will be out here, kind of behind this wall. And uh, that will be a large space. We'll incorporate a playground in that. And, um, and that'll be something that not only will be um, cool for our kids here at church, but much, much, much more importantly is that that'll be a space for our community and where parents and grandparents can bring their kids in during the week. It'll be free. We'll have it open during certain times. And up here in Northwest Ohio, where half the year it's cold, rainy, wet, muddy, um, this gives them a place where they could come and play and build relationships with each other, the kids but even more than that, the parents will be mixing with each other. And so we just see this as a very good thing. We've seen this done in several other churches around us. And um, if they can do it and, and it's worked really, really, really well for them, we feel like this will be a really, really great investment for us to do. So that's what we're looking at for the first thing, creating children's space. The second thing is we want to train leaders. This also, by the way, is investing in the next generation. Uh, as we grow as a church, we need more pastors, teachers, tech guys, music guys. And so um, we're looking to train 20 leaders, uh, ki- usually they're young people, for full-time ministry. And so we want to do that. That's with all three campuses. And then all three campuses We'll come together to do the third one as well, which will be launching a new campus. And we're looking at Oak Harbor, Port Clinton area, maybe Bowling Green, maybe in the future, maybe down the road, Bucyrus. We're looking at those areas. But in order to accomplish these things, all right, this is going to take sacrifice. All right, let's be straightforward about that. It's going to take time. It's going to take money. It's going to take a bunch of work. And everything that we do here at Grace Um, is to accomplish our main mission that Jesus gave us. Like, we understand what that is, right? The last thing that Jesus said before he went up to heaven, he kind of gathers his disciples together, and he says, hey, this is what I'm going to do. Actually, I'm leaving, but I'm always going to be with you. And uh, guess what? I want you guys to go, and I want you to tell everybody. Jesus says, I want you to go and make. Some of us, we don't even go. We don't even do the first thing. He says, I want you to go and make Jesus followers. I want you to go and make disciples. And uh, basically, I want you to go and tell people about what I've done for them. That I offer them hope that I, say, that, I, that I paid for everything that they've ever done wrong. All they have to do is start a relationship with me. And so that's our mission as a church, and that's our goal. And that's what we should all be about. And because of that mission and goal, our lives as Christians should be radically different. Like, it should be different. We don't live like everybody else. Um, and be, why? Because we have a purpose. And by the way, there's urgency to our purpose. We are not called, as Christians, to live an ordinary life. Okay, you are not called, a, a, as a God follower, to live an ordinary life. And it's so easy for that to happen. Because, as most of you guys, we all know, time flies, Right? doesn't it? Have you noticed that? Just time goes quick, and it just passes by so quickly. Life is short, and because of that, it's easy to waste our life and waste our time, at least to waste chunks of time in our life and waste opportunities that God has given us. And I was telling you guys this, I think, uh, a few weeks ago, back when we were going through the story of Esther, but that's my biggest fear in life, straight up, is that someday I'll have the privilege of laying on my deathbed, and I'll be thinking through my life, and I'll be realizing that I wasted it, or I wasted certain sections of my life. Like, that bothers me, that I'll be regretting how I spent my time, I'll be regretting how I spent my money, I'll be regretting about maybe not telling people around me, maybe even some people that I cared about the most in life, that uh, that Jesus offers them hope, and that Jesus cares for them, and that Jesus offers them forgiveness, and that they can be saved. Like, that thought of that old man Someday, hope, you know, decades away, that picture bothers me. 
I never want that to be me. And it's so easy, so, 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 so easy for that to become reality. Man, Jesus never called us to live an ordinary, ordinary life. And ultimately, he was the perfect example of that. One time, uh, Jesus and his disciples, they're um, traveling from town to town to town. And uh, they uh, come to this city or this town uh, of Jericho. And we see in Matthew chapter 19, it says, he entered Jericho and he was passing through. So Jesus, he's not planning on staying. They're not planning on uh, spending the night there or anything. Uh, they're just kind of passing through this town. And in that town, there was a man named Zacchaeus who happened to be a chief tax collector, and he was rich. Now, you could probably turn this around. You could say, hey, he was rich because he was a chief tax collector. Now, uh, something you got to know about tax collectors back then. First of all, how many of you guys enjoy paying taxes a lot today? Okay, I don't see. Oh, so <laughs> Nobody enjoys paying taxes, right? I hate it. I've been working on my taxes for like the last two weeks, it seems like, and it's just a pain, um, and it's sad, and it really bums me out. Uh, I have to write the checks. I mean, it just doesn't come out. So um, it's, uh, you know, taxes. Nobody likes paying taxes. By the way, that has not changed in the last 2,000 years. Like, um, that's something that has stayed constant. Um, but uh, a tax collector uh, was a guy, and this is who Zacchaeus was, meaning he would collect taxes for the Roman government. And so Rome, at this point in history, was uh, an oppressive foreign power that ruled over Israel. Actually, Rome ruled over much of the known world. And Rome imposed taxes. And so they had uh, people um, help get those taxes from, from the different people groups. And so uh, the Jewish people, um, as they considered tax collectors to be complete traitors, right? Zacchaeus, he's a Jewish man collecting taxes for the oppressive government, Rome. And so everybody around him considers him as a complete traitor. He's the worst of the worst. In fact, Rome did not care what Zacchaeus did as long as Zacchaeus got them their money. So what would happen is, um, say somebody, say you owed 100 bucks to Rome in taxes, Zacchaeus would come on the scene and say, actually, uh, you owe $200, and he would take that from you legally, because that's what he could do, and he would keep 100 for himself, and he'd send 100 on off to Rome. That's what would happen, and that's why people hated them so much. And think about it. Zacchaeus, he's not just a tax collector. He's a chief tax collector. So this is like a legit, like a pyramid scheme. Like the money, he had tax collectors who worked under him, and the money would just kind of funnel up at cheating people right and left, and people hated them. And Zacchaeus is rich off of cheating people, and probably everybody in the community knew him, they knew who he was, and probably everybody in the community hated him. This is not a guy who had very many friends among his own people, maybe Romans, but not among his own people. And so this guy, he's just a typical non-God follower, okay? He didn't follow God. His life was all about power, money, comfort, stuff, advancing in his career. All right, those are the things that Zacchaeus thought was important. By the way, does that sound familiar? It's the same thing we're all about today. It's the same thing our culture teaches us that's important. Hey, it's all about money. It's all about getting stuff. It's all about that new house, living the American dream, getting that new car, all right, advancing in your career. Zacchaeus, he's about the exact same stuff. And so Zacchaeus, he lived in this town. And the next verse, it says, he was trying to see who Jesus was. So Zacchaeus, he had heard a lot about Jesus. Uh, he just wants to see him. Zacchaeus is not thinking that he's going to meet Jesus. He probably didn't want to meet Jesus at all. Um, but uh, like many of us, at one time, Zacchaeus, he's just curious. He's like, I don't know. I've heard a lot about this Jesus guy. I want to see what he's going to do next. I want to see or want to hear what he's going to say next. I've heard some stuff that he said, and it sounds crazy. It sounds different and strange. And, uh, and so Zacchaeus, he just wants to look at Jesus. But he's got a problem. 
He was not able because of the crowd. They're all surrounding Jesus, and Zacchaeus happened to be a short man. Now, I was going to tell a good joke about AJ here, but I'll probably refrain from that because we're almost, we got a lot of stuff to cover today. So we'll save that for another day. But anyway, so he's, he, uh, just, he comes up with this plan. He decides to run ahead. This man climbs up a sycamore tree. Now, Zacchaeus, think about this. This is a public official. This is a rich guy. This is like social elite guy. He doesn't have many friends among the Jewish people for sure. But this is a guy, I mean, he's a, again, he, this is a, a man with authority. And he apparently is so desperate to just see Jesus that he decides to climb a tree. And this is not a pretty sight. I mean, back then men wore robes, okay? So not like your best situation going on here. And so he climbs up a tree to see, to see Jesus since he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up, and there is a man, and everybody's probably looking up, there is a man above him in this tree, and Jesus said to him, he says, Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, come on down. It's so funny here. Jesus, you know, everybody probably around Jesus in this crowd, they're probably going, oh, man. This is going to be interesting, all right? Jesus is about to, he's about to nail this guy. Like, this guy, Zacchaeus, he's a, he's a bad guy, and, and he's finally going to get what he deserves. Like, finally, someone has, someone has the guts to, like, put this guy in his place. And so everybody's probably salivating, like, all right, like, let's see. I can't wait to see how this turns out. But Jesus doesn't do that. He doesn't lecture him. Jesus doesn't even give Zacchaeus a hard time. And my guess is that when Jesus comes to this tree, he looks up, and he probably maybe even laughs a little bit. Like, he, he, I think he smiles. He's like, calm down here. And this is one of the most awkward moments in the Bible. My guess, I'm reading this into it. But the whole town is out. And they're all watching this grown man in his robe climb down out of this tree. And it's probably pretty silent because they're thinking, oh, Jesus is going to, he's going to get him. All right, this is going to be great. And so Jesus tells him, he says, because today it is necessary for me to stay at your house. So Jesus, instead of, you know, giving him a hard time or instead of lecturing him, which he sh could have easily done, Jesus shocks everybody here. He says, hey, Zacchaeus, I'm actually going to, I'm coming to your house. I'm going to hang out with you this afternoon. And everybody in the crowd, they're just like, huh? Uh, Jesus. And there's probably people like tugging on. Jesus is like, hey, Jesus, I know you're new here and you're just passing through, so you probably don't know everything, but that's a tax collector. You can't go, you can't go to his house. Like, that's, this isn't supposed to happen. Like, actually, Jesus, you're, you're treating him the opposite how you should be treating him. All right, Jesus, you got this backwards. He's a traitor to our country. He sold out his country for cash. He's the worst of the worst. That guy's an outcast. He legally takes people's money, people's hard-earned money, and he keeps it for himself. Like, you should be rejecting him, not having dinner with him. And when people hear this, and as Jesus starts to walk away with Zacchaeus towards his house, it says all who saw it, they began to complain. They're all like, whoa, this is messed up. Jesus, you can't hang out with someone like that. He's gone to stay with a sinful man. This man is like the worst of the worst. This guy has sinned. He's done so much wrong in his life. This doesn't make any sense. And it's so interesting to me because these people, a lot of them, not all of them, I mean, these are Jesus followers, right? These are like Christians. 
in a sense. And they hate it. In their mind, Zacchaeus isn't worth Jesus' time. In their mind, Zacchaeus doesn't, Zacchaeus doesn't deserve Jesus' time. It didn't make sense to the crowd. They're all thinking, man, this is so backwards. Just everything about Jesus walking away with that man is, you know, everything about this is wrong. And so here's the deal. This crowd, they don't realize that we've all been Zacchaeus's. Okay, every single one of us. We've been in the same position that Zacchaeus was in. Um, we say this all the time. I mean, here at Grace, we're all simply, we're all messed up, jacked up, horrible, terrible people. I mean, we just all. I wish we weren't. I wish I wasn't, but I, I, I am. And at some point in our life, every single one of us, we've been lost. We're not born Christians. Okay, we're not born praising God. Um, that's not what happens. And so at some point in our life, we have to give or make the decision to give our life over to Jesus or to start that relationship with God. And most of us have, a lot of us have in this room, not all of us. Some of you guys, man, you're lost now. Like that's the honest truth. You don't have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you've been running away. Maybe you're trying to figure things out and you're not 100% there. All right, I just want to say this real quick is that there's no better day to give your life to Jesus than today. Because you're not guaranteed tomorrow. And you don't know how much time you got. And life goes quick. And so I really encourage you to do that. It's just as a conversation between you and your creator. And not even out loud. He knows every thought in your head. That's just you saying, hey, uh, Jesus, I want you to be a part of my life. Like, I, I'm, I'm tired of doing life. Like, use me however you want to use me. Like, I want, I want this. And I encourage you to do that. Maybe some of you, you're really good at hiding it. But if you're super honest with yourselves, you... you you, realize, you know, you know, you know that you don't have that relationship and you're lost. But for many of us, we've come to that point in our life where we have found God at some point. We should be able to remember maybe that moment or, or that time in our life and um, where, where, you know, our life has changed. And, uh, and again, we've been looking at stories over the last few weeks of what has happened kind of even within the last 28 months here at Grace. And here's, here's an example, one of my favorites. I'm April. I'm Matt. We've been together about 16 years. We've been married for 11 years. We met um, at, at work. We've been together ever since. So I worked at Whirlpool and I worked on an assembly line and this kid named Justin was fairly new, worked across from me and um, we started talking one day and he was telling me about he belonged to a youth group and talking about a youth pastor and all these great things and um, it opened a whole conversation about church and I had told him that my husband and I were talking about uh, starting to join a church and he told us they were building uh, a Grace in Tiffin. We started coming to Grace regularly uh, in January of 2020. My father had just passed away like December 27th. Uh, for me there was like this this huge loss in my life and I was looking for comfort and she'd been talking about somebody she worked with. He was kind of pointing us towards grace and, and that's when we started coming. I came in, met with AJ and kind of, we had a little conversation and he said, do you want to turn your life over to Christ? I said, absolutely. And, and, I, and we turned it over. It's all you. Come into my life, take it over, do whatever it is you need to do with me, put me where you need me to be. When I came here, I felt welcome. I didn't I didn't feel broken anymore, and that, that started really right away. It's just really neat to listen 
to the stories in the Bible and to read about them and to learn about them because I knew nothing. My experience with the Bible was very minuscule. I'm meeting with, with Pastor AJ and sitting down, and I told him my story. I didn't get into great detail. He asked me if I was ready to give my life to Christ, and we said the sinner's prayer, and we prayed together. For me, I know I don't have to do this alone. I have Christ with me. There's a peacefulness about that, even when I'm screwing it up every day and I'm not getting it right. There's, there's a peaceful side to this. I accept the teachings of the Bible. I accept what I learned here, and I try to apply it to my life. And it's not always about acquisition of knowledge. It's about application. How do, how do I use this stuff in my daily life? And what the Bible teaches me, what was good 2,000 years ago, still translates today. You know, those teachings and those moral convictions. I, I make mistakes all the time. There's conviction in my heart, you know, I feel it tugging on me, and I, I try to set that right. But now I have an ace in the hole. I have Christ in my life, right? I didn't have that before. There's hope for you out there. Um, I found it by coming to Christ. I found it by coming to grace. Um, I found a better way to live. The journey's in the ride, so buckle up, right? It's life change. Right, that's as simple as it is. It's, it's life changed. Again, we've seen God use us to reach a ton of people just over the last, just over the last few months that we've been here. But uh, that's what Jesus was about, life change. And on this day, 2,000 years ago, when Jesus spends time with this reject of a man, Zacchaeus, who, had, who was greedy and was all about, you know, himself, um, when Jesus tells Zacchaeus that he's coming over, I mean, this man's life changed. We see Zacchaeus, he stood there. He's just like, uh, you're coming over to my place? Like, he, he's unexpected. After he's climbed down this tree, and he, and he says, look, Lord, he says, I'll give, he says, I'll give half of my possessions to the poor, Lord, and if I have exhorted anything from anyone, I'll pay back four times as much. So here's this man, right, he's... He can't believe that Jesus actually wants to spend time with him. And Jesus is saying, hey, I'm, I'm going to spend time with you today. I'm coming over to your house. I want to invest in you, Zacchaeus. And what's Zacchaeus' response? Generosity. And Jesus says, he says, today. He says, salvation has come to this house. He doesn't say salvation has come to this house because, because Zacchaeus has stopped doing wrong. Or Zacchaeus is somehow perfect now. Or Zacchaeus, he decided to stop swearing. Or he told Jesus that he'd, he'd go to church every week. Or he wanted to get baptized. Or that he, Zacchaeus tells Jesus, okay, from here on out, I'm not going to be listening to the music that I'm listening. I'm going to be listening to Christian music only. That's it. All right, Jesus. It's not, it's not what Zacchaeus says. It's not what Jesus says, says next. Zacchaeus, it's, it's when Jesus sees Zacchaeus' generosity that Jesus knows he has his heart. Next verse, he says, for the Son of Man, this is Jesus talking, has come to seek and save the lost. Here's Jesus, he kind of wraps this up. He says, this is why I came. This is why I came. I came for the lost. This is my reason, Jesus is saying, this is my purpose here, and this is why we are here this morning. I get it, here in church, we're, we're not just, you know, we're here to grow in our relationship with Jesus, we're here to connect with others, both good things, both things that the Bible talks about, but the main reason why the church is here, when I mean here, I mean in the world, 
is to reach those around us who are lost, is to tell those around us who are lost, to tell them that they're, like what Matt said, that there is a better way to live. And the truth is, there is, there is a lot of lost people out there. Okay, it doesn't take, you know, it doesn't take much effort for us to look around and see the lost people. And they're in your neighborhood, at work, in your class, on your team, at school, they're in the gym, uh, they're at the store that you go to, they're at the bank that you bank at. And, you know, and our job is to help them find the hope and the purpose that is only in Jesus. Now, here's the reality for our church here this morning. Here in Tiffin, I mean, we're at a crossroads. I mean, we just are. We as a church, we have a decision to make. And either we stay here where we are, where, where we're at, okay, which is an option. And it, I'll be straight up with you. That's the most comfortable option. That's the easiest option, for sure. We stay where we're at. Or we as a church family, we move forward and we do what Jesus did and we invest in the lost. Uh, just a few weeks ago, I've told you guys this before, uh, me, Kate and I, we take the kids, or well, we, we've been doing this for a long time, where we'll go to like a restaurant, like a mom and pop place, not a chain, okay? Mom and pop place in Ohio, and uh, we've been doing this before we were even married, and we'll, uh, we have this big map at home, we put a pin on the map when we go there and stuff like that. So we got this map full of pins all over Ohio. And, uh, and so with kids, that has gotten a little more complicated because we cannot get out of a restaurant with our kids without like spy, five spills. You know what I'm talking about? Super annoying. You're just like, why, why, what's wrong with you? you know? Okay, so, um, so that's the, the reality of it. So one thing we started doing, this actually started in the pandemic when all the restaurants were closed, is we started uh, ordering a pizza in some town far away. We'll go drive in the car, we'll go pick it up, and then we'll eat it in the car as we drive back home, okay? Kind of lame, I get it, whatever. <laughs> but we get a pin on the map, and it gives us something to do. Um, and so uh, my kids, two of my kids love it. One of my, Toby, he hates it. He, we, we call, they call it car dinner, and they're just like, no, nah. you know, Toby's like, nah, car dinner again. And so it is, yeah, okay, but they like the pizza, whatever. And we've had some duds, so I think that has hurt a little bit. But um, anyway, so we were doing this uh, less than two weeks ago, just a week and a half ago, and um, we, were driving, we were driving to Galleon, okay? So it's about an hour away from our house. Um, we were going to a place where we hadn't eaten pizza at before, and uh, we're in between Bucyrus and Galleon, out in the middle of nowhere, and my car breaks down, okay, in the van. And it's just like, oh, man, I already ordered the pizza. This is awkward. I don't know where we're at. My phone battery is, like, going dead. I can't get the car started. I, we pull off on the, on the side of the road, like, uh, on a little country road, and we're just, like, stuck there, okay? Now, I have a decision to make, right? Either I do something, or I guess we could just sit there. But it's getting cold. It's like 15 degrees outside. I actually, Kate and I both, we didn't wear coats for some reason that day, which I wish I could take back. And so I'm like, I have to, either we sit here, all right, which is, which is going to be okay in the immediate time, but as we get farther down the, not down the road, that wouldn't make sense in this story, but as we, you know, as time progresses, that's going to, that's not, that's not a good option. And so it's looking forward to that. And so I get out, I open up the hood, I'm freezing, it's windy, I'm out in the middle of nowhere in some, you know, country road, I'm trying to 
look at things, I'm realizing that my battery's dead, which means my alternator's probably out. That's probably what happened. And so I call my dad. I'm like, hey, could you come? We're like an hour away. Um, there's a Walmart in Bucyrus. Could you pick up a battery? I think that might be able to get us home. We'll see. My alternator's probably not working. And, uh, and then we just, and so he starts coming, and we just, we just sit there for like an hour, maybe an hour and a half in the car. And it, it, doesn't, it gets cold kind of quick, you know? And I'm like, man, and the windows fog up within the first, like, minute, which is super annoying. And can't even look outside. And, um, and, and we actually ordered the pizza to the car. I called them with my last bit of battery. And I'm like, hey, please bring us the pizza. We're starving. We're cold, we're starving, and we're stuck. And, uh, and they did, which is awesome. Okay. But, uh, but think about it. Like, that's kind of where our church is at. Like, we can stay where we want or we can stay where we are. It's a legit option. It's not good for as time progresses, or we can move forward. And by the way, I didn't want to get out of the car. Again, it was cold. Um, all the metal, you know, and look, everything's cold. You're putting the new battery in. It's like my hands are freezing, and it's just, it's just a pain. But that's like, you know, moving or, or moving forward isn't always comfortable. In fact, usually it's not. And it's a pain. And there's pain involved. But it's something that we just have to do. That's why we came up with a plan. These three things, three campuses, three goals in three years, specifically here in Tiffin, the thing that we need the most is we need space, especially for kids. And that's what we need uh, to do. We need to come up with space. We need to build space for your kids, for my kids, and much more importantly, for the kids that aren't here yet. And the honest truth is that someday, okay, in that space that we build, um, kids will make the decision to give their lives to Jesus. That's, That's going to happen. And uh, because of that decision that they make as a child, um, God will use some of them to reach their friends, their parents, and their grandparents. Okay, that, that, that will happen. And those kids are going to grow up and they're going to become teachers and bankers and nurses and city leaders and just all different things. And, and, uh, and maybe some of us, you know, maybe we'll be long gone at that point. Who knows? But those kids will then reach our area and beyond when we're gone. It'll be that generation's turn. Just like the generations before us sacrificed, put in time, put in money, and put in a bunch of work. Every chair that you're sitting in, I mean, somebody paid for that out of the money that they worked hard for. And so the generation before us sacrificed. We need to sacrifice so that the generation after us can sacrifice and reach people. And here's what that has looked like, uh, specifically within our church through the years.
So here today, it's our turn, right? It's our turn. By the way, if you're new, again, I just want to reiterate, what I'm going to be asking from our people, um, we're not asking from you, and the only thing we're asking for you is to come back next week. But those of you who call Grace Your Church home, we are asking you to be a part of this movement here at Grace that stretches even be, you know even beyond Seneca County, but also the other campuses. We want everyone to be a part of it. How much you do, that's between you and God. But we're asking um, you to figure that out. And so, in order to accomplish our goals here, um, to accomplish those three things specifically here for Tiffin, we need uh, at the minimum. $2 million to build the two children's areas, and we need $150,000 uh, to, to do the front parking lot, which I feel like we should do ASAP since 
um, costs keep on rising, and that's a real thing. Uh, we have some money to be able to set aside for that already, but, um, but really the minimum is $2 million, again, because of prices and stuff like that. Uh, as just to keep in perspective, I'm not asking you to do specifically this, but just, uh, you know, just to think about it a different way. Um, you know, at first I hear $2 million, I'm like, that's nah, not going to happen. <laughs> you know, that's like so far down the road. Um, but if every adult here, not even every adult in this room and next service gave $100 a month for 36 months for the three years, that's $2 million bucks, right? That's what that is. So it's like doable is what I'm starting to realize. And um, maybe God's not asking you to do that. I totally understand that. Maybe God's asking you to do more. Maybe God's asking you to do less, right? But we want you to at least do something, like be a part of this somehow. If it's a dollar a week, it's a dollar a week. But we want you to do what you feel like God wants you to do. Even that we're going to get the kids involved. Like I told you last week, uh, we've got little piggy bank cardboard box things that they're going to take home um, today. So your child will be taking that home. And we're not doing that because we think we're going to make a bunch of money off the kids. All right? A few bucks, you know. Um, we're doing that so that, number one, we can teach them generosity, which is our parents' job. It's our job to do that. But number two, so that they feel like they get to be a part of what's going on too. And years down the road, they can look at it and say, yeah, maybe I played a tiny, tiny role. But at least I played a role. And they get to be a part of what we're doing since they are a part of this church. Uh, earlier this week, um, we, uh, I asked a few leaders, not all of our leaders, but just a handful of people. Um, we gathered together and... Um, and I asked them to go first and uh, commit to us, you know, what they thought they might be able to do or what God was telling them um, to do or wanted them to do. And that group of people, they sacrificed. And again, they went not just first, they boldly went first. And out of those maybe 25 families, maybe, um, they committed $869,150. All right, so we have that much already. It's like a head start. Yeah, it's... But now it's the rest of our turn, and, and really, um, we're all going to do this, including those leaders here in just a minute, but over the next five minutes or so, I'm asking you to fill out a commitment card. They're in your bulletin, and um, I'm asking you to walk up and throw it in the bucket. We're going to have the lights dim. We're not doing this to be showy. We're doing this because I'm not... Sometimes we just got to put our mouth, you know, put our, our money where our mouth is, you know. Or it's just like, I'm not asking you, hey, someday could maybe do this. I'm saying, let's do this today. We've been praying about it for the last month. We've been praying about it for weeks now. And uh, it's time. If you need to spend some time with God, again, we're going to give a few minutes. Um, talk to God about it. You need to talk to your spouse. Whisper around, you know, to your spouse. You can take your time. But uh, we're asking you to do that. And if you want to help us get started today... We're asking you, you could throw that in there as well. This isn't just for, uh, this is for our staff too. Uh, Kate and I, we're doing this exact same thing that you're doing, but on those cards, we're asking for two things. Number one, what is God calling you to give today? And number two, what is God calling you to give for the next three years as we accomplish some of these things that we as a church family have to accomplish and we, as we invest in the next generation? Um, there's a few different ways you could do that. You could do that online. You could give through the app, our Church Center app, or you could drop it again in the bucket. But um, we're going to give you a few minutes. And uh, I'm asking you, if you call Grace to Church Home, be a part 
of what's happening and be a part of this movement.